friend. It is a beautiful Friday afternoon. It really is. The sun's semi out. Yes. Yeah. Now, if you hear noise, like we're in a workshop. Yeah. They're doing work in the house behind us. Oh, you know, I oddly find that noise relaxing. Why do we? I don't know. I do too. Maybe we're saying, thank goodness it isn't us. We can just sit here and listen. Maybe. I bet you it would be different if it was our house. Yeah. But I, I just, oh, he's sawing something. That's yeah, so nice. It's nice. Yeah, it really is. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Something in our childhood, probably. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. How are you? I'm fine. Hanging in there. Glad that it's getting warmer. Are you glad? I'm, yeah. I like the colder weather. Well, I do too, but it's time. <laughs> You've had enough? It's time, yeah. I've had enough. I've had enough. I was telling I was telling Bren, I'm like, I think this is the coldest winter we've had in a while. It, I mean, it's California cold, don't get us wrong, but it's it's chilly. It is. You get up and you have to get your car started early. Yeah. That's not like a Californian. No. Pe no. People back east are like, oh. <laughs> Shut up. I know. Like... You have to put a coat on. <laughs> we have to put a coat on. I'm cold. You know? Where's my beanie? Yeah. It's a little bit chilly out yeah, here. Yeah, it's a bit chilly. This isn't like for California. <laughs> I need a when coat. it's 43, I'm like, Karsten, it's 43. <laughs> They're probably saying that's, that's not even cold. They're like, click, we're turning you off yeah. now. Yeah. Why we go shovel. Yeah, snow. we're shoveling snow. It feels like it's negative 85 out here. And you're concerned that it's 40. Yeah, 40. Ooh, burn a jacket. Oh, <laughs> I know. I know it. So it is what it is. It is. Yeah. It is. But it's a beautiful day. Yes, it is. All righty. So, yeah, we are finishing up First Samuel. I can't believe it. I know. It it's just been goes, really good. It goes, yeah. Okay, so would you like to start us off in prayer? Sure. Okay. Dear Lord, I thank you for your word today. I ask that you would increase my wisdom and understanding as I read. Speak to me through your word, Lord. I pray that your word would create in me a clean mind and a renewed heart. Hide your words in the folds of my heart for times of need by myself or others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so let's do a recap of First uh, Samuel chapters seventeen through twenty-two. Uh, David had defeated Goliath. King Saul's son Jonathan and David became close friends. Saul continually tried to have David killed. David became the leader of over four hundred men while in the cave of Adullam. And Doeg, the Israelite, killed 85 priests, their entire families, and their livestock because King Saul felt they were allies of David. Yeah. Horrible. He went nuts. Yeah. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to touch upon? No, I'm good. I was just looking. No. Okay. So let's get into uh, 1 Samuel chapter 23. The Lord helped David and his men kill the Philistines who were stealing grain from the threshing floors at Saul learned of David's location and planned to attack him. David asked the Lord if the people of Keilah were going to betray him and give up his location to Saul. 
and the Lord confirmed that they were. Yeah. Did you have any note any notes for that part? I do have something. Um, when Saul heard that David was trapped in a walled city, one with gates and bars, he thought God was putting David at his mercy. Saul wanted to kill David so badly that he would have interpreted any sign as God's approval to move ahead with his plan. Had Saul known God better, he would have known what God wanted and would not have misread the situation as God's approval for murder. Not every opportunity is sent from God. We may want something so much that we assume any opportunity to obtain it is of divine origin. As we see from Saul's case, this may not be true. An opportunity to do something against God's will can never be from God because God does not tempt us. When opportunities come your way, double check your motives. Make sure you are following God's desires and not just your own. And that can be a little tricky sometimes yeah. because you may ask yourself, well, wait, is this what God wants me to do? Yeah. Like sometimes you don't know for sure. You really don't know. You don't know. So I guess that is a good thing, you know. Make sure you're following God's desires, not your own desires. So there's yeah. like a little checklist at least you can look at. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. So yeah. David and his men hid in the wilderness while Saul's men searched for them. And Amy, would you mind reading 1 Samuel chapter 23 verses 16 through 18, please? Sure. Jonathan went to find David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. Don't be afraid, Jonathan reassured him. My father will never find you. You are going to be the king of Israel, and I will be next to you. As my father, Saul, is well aware. So the two of them renewed their solemn pact before the Lord. Then Jonathan returned home while David stayed at Horish. I love their friendship. I know. It's so true and it's, it's just a, great. It's a pure relationship. It, like no backstabbing, nothing. Nothing. Mm -mm. Not a thing. Nope. So the, the hunt for David was called off so the Israelites could fight the Philistines who were raiding Israel again. Um, that was kind of the last little bit we learned in that chapter. Did you have any further notes? Sure. Um, this may have been the last time David and Jonathan were together. As true friends, they were more than just companions who enjoyed each other's company. They encouraged each other's faith in God and trusted each other with their deepest thoughts and closest confidences. These are the marks of a true friendship. Okay. Oh, did you have anything else? That's I'm sorry. it. Okay, so Psalm 54. That's yes. next up chronologically. Now, Psalm 54 was written by David. And the theme is a call for God to overcome enemies. God is our helper, even in times of hurt and betrayal. And then I thought we could just read Psalm 54. Oh, okay. It was relatively short, and I, it was very nice. Yeah. Come with great power, O God, and rescue me. Defend me with your might. Listen to my prayer, O God. Pay attention to my plea, for strangers are attacking me. Violent people are trying to kill me. They care nothing for God, but God is my helper. The Lord keeps me alive. May the evil plans of my enemies be turned against them. Do as you promised and put an end to them. I will sacrifice a voluntary offering to you. 
I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. For you have rescued me from my troubles and helped me to triumph over my enemies. Beautiful. So um, even through all this, with Saul trying to get yeah. him, Saul's men trying to get him, he's still praising. He still is, yeah. Um, did you have any notes? or Yeah, did you yes. have any notes? Uh, many of David's psalms follow the pattern found in these two verses, which is Psalm 3 and 4. David was not afraid to come to God and express his true feelings and needs. Thus, his spirit was lifted and he praised God, his helper, protector, and friend. And then David asked God to repay evil to his enemies. He simply stated his confidence in God's promise. Proverbs twenty six twenty seven warns that those who cause trouble will, will reap trouble, trouble. What we have intended for others may blow up in our own face. To be honest and straightforward before God and others is a simpler, easier, and safer in the long run. Anything else? That's it. Okay, so let's move on to 1 Samuel 24. Saul went after David, once again, after the battle with the Philistines. You would think he would just... I, I know. Gosh. I know it. And then, Amy, would you mind reading 1 Samuel 24, uh, ch chapter 24, verse 3, please? At the place where the road passes some sheepfolds, Saul went into a cave to relieve himself. But as it happened, David and his men were hiding farther back in that very cave. I mean, come on. Oh. Out of all the caves. I know. There he was. Yeah. David's men thought this was the perfect opportunity to kill Saul, but David knew that it that's not what the Lord wanted. Yeah. David was so close to Saul, he cut off a piece of his robe. That's how close he was. Yeah. Can you imagine? No. Like he had his opportunities. Yeah, right then, yeah. But he knew. He knew. He knew it wasn't, yeah. Did you have a note for that part at all? David and his 600 men found the wilderness of En Gede a good place to hide because of the many caves in the area. These caves were used by local people for housing and as tombs. For David's men, they were places of refuge. These caves can still be seen today. Some are large enough to hold thousands of people. Gosh. Thousands. That could think about what oh. we were talking about last time. That's yeah. a lot of potty. That is mm -hmm, a lot of poo. <laughs> MP. If they stayed in there long, hope they went out. Well, apparently they didn't because he went in there to pee. Yes. The smell. How could you not know they were in there with that smell coming out? That's the Lord. Yeah, it is. It is the Lord. The Lord Febreze that whole place. Oh, he's like, no, sure not, no did. one's in here. It's fine. Come yeah. on in, Saul. Come on in. Uh, uh, anything else for that first part? No, I don't have anything. So David confronted Saul when he left the cave, letting him know he would never harm the king. And even when he had the chance back in the cave to kill Saul, he didn't. Yeah. And then, so 1 Samuel chapter 24, verses 16 through 20. When David had finished speaking, Saul called back, Is that really you, my son David? Then he began to cry. And he said to David, You are a better man than I am, for you have repaid me good for evil. Yes, you have been amazingly kind to me today. 
For when the Lord put me in a place where you could have killed me, you didn't do it. Who else would let his enemy get away when he had him in his power? May the Lord reward you well for the kindness you have shown me today. And now I realize that you are surely going to be king, and that the kingdom of Israel will flourish under your rule. Mm. Yet he doesn't stick to that attitude. No. No, he doesn't. I don't know. Like, just words. Yes. Yeah. Yep, for sure. Anything else for chapter 24? Well, I have highlighted um, chapter 24, verse 13, that says, As that old proverb says, From evil people come evil deeds, so you can be sure I will never harm you. So he's saying, I'm not evil. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like... And I do have a note. Okay. I said, the means we use to accomplish a goal are just as important as the goal we are trying to accomplish. David's goal was to become king, so his men urged him to kill Saul when he had the chance. David's refusal was not an example of cowardice, but of courage. The courage to stand against the group and do what he knew was right. Don't compromise your moral standards by giving in to a group giving in to group pressure or taking the easy way out. That's true, huh? Yeah. Because I'm sure a lot of or probably a majority of those men were like, "Do it now." Yeah. They're... And he's like, "No, this is not what God wants." Right. It's not the time. No. It's not and it just wasn't it. It wasn't for him to do. Hmm. Yeah. And David's still a young man. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anything else for mm-hmm. chapter 24? No. Okay. So we're moving on to 1 Samuel 25. Uh, in the very beginning of this chapter, we learn that Samuel died and all the Israelites gathered for his funeral. Just the quick note for there. Saul was king, but Samuel had been the nation's spiritual leader. As a young boy and as an older man, Samuel was always careful to listen and to obey the Lord. When Samuel was gone, Israel would be without this spiritual leadership until David became king. Uh, David had come across a wealthy man named Nabal and his wife Abigail. And Nabal refused to share any of his provisions with David and his men. Did you have a note for that part? Nabal rudely refused David's request to feed his 600 men. If we sympathize with Nabal, it is because customs are so different today. First, simple hospitality demanded that travelers, any number of them, be fed. Nabal was very rich and could have easily afforded to meet David's request. Second, David wasn't taking, wasn't asking for a handout. He and his men had been protecting Nabal's workforce, and part of Nabal's prosperity <coughs> was due to David's vi- vigilance. We should be generous with those who protect us and help us prosper, even if we are not obligated to do so by law or custom. Amy, this next part, Mm. that's a little something. Yeah. We're going to talk about it. Now, David and his men, they were ready to attack Nabal, but Abigail, Nabal's wife, was briefed about the situation and how her husband had been rude to David's men who had been very respectful to them the entire time they were on Nabal's land. Things were going to turn ugly for Nabal and his family, so Abigail gathered food, wine, and livestock. She went to meet David and explained what a fool he was. 
Not David, but her husband. Yes. David responded positively and promised not to kill Nabal. Abigail returned home to find her husband throwing a big party, so she didn't tell him what happened. She waited until the next morning when he was sober. And after Nabal heard what happened, he had a stroke and was paralyzed, and the Lord struck him dead ten days later. Well, <laughs> let's, yeah. let's just discuss for a sec. It was all on the woman. It sure was. And it even says, some men don't deserve their wives. <laughs> under, under Abigail's, you know, what, what uh, her Does wife it say notes. it there? Yeah. She was probably the best woman Nabal could afford. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? And yeah. she was good. She said, I'm not having this show, yeah. hoop show. <laughs> I am getting this in order. Everyone's going to be killed. All my children, all this, all that. It's going to be the biggest mess. Yeah. And God bless that maidservant that went and told her. Yes. God bless her. She had some sense, too. You know when Abigail Abigail heard that, she knew. She was like, yep, I bet he did say that. Yeah. That's like something he would say, that yeah. fool. Yeah, that fool. Now I have to go fix this mess. Yeah. And oh. what's he doing? He's going to prepare to have a party and get <laughs> drunk all night. There's going to be a mess afterwards. Yeah. Now I got to go prepare and because I have nothing else to do today. No. I don't have all these children of children, children. Yeah. No, I'm going to have to get those maidservants and get all this together. <laughs> I mean, God bless the maidservant. Yeah. You know. Because I'm sure they knew how he was as oh, well. Oh, yeah. She said, I have to fix this. Yeah. And, you know, that was not her place. I mean, if you think about it back then. You know, you're right. Women were nothing. Yeah. I mean, for heaven's sakes, he bought her. Yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah, it wasn't her place, but she knew that that was the only way it was going to get resolved. Yeah, as if she hoisted in there, and <coughs> I would, I know that she was upset. Oh, she was probably having a word with herself the whole way yeah. on the horse. Oh, oh, we you will wait. talk. You just wait. And then after he passed on, she probably thought, well, maybe next time you'll listen. Yeah. Well, there isn't a next time. No, because you're paralyzed and now you're dead and the Lord struck you down. Yeah. She probably got all those children, boy children around him and said, now you see what happened? <laughs> this is what happened. A happened. I had to handle it. The net, Your dad had a wild night. I waited till the next morning, told him, and look here. Yeah. Now I hope you all take note. Yeah. I would have got those kids in there. Would have you? Especially the males. I don't know. Huh. I can feel the irritation. Yeah. In Why the do we go there? Because we've been there. <laughs> you know, it's very possible. <laughs> it's very possible Abigail was like, oh, my husband, I must go speak. <laughs> like, it could have been so innocent, I but know. for some reason we're like, no, she's cussing. She's yeah. mad. She is livid. Yeah. Because we've been there, Robin. Yeah. Every woman. Yeah. We all know how it is with these people. Yeah. You know Nabal probably peed himself. Oh, yeah. It's such it's a, a mess. mess. It's a mess. She had to sleep somewhere else. I see it all in my head. <laughs> She's mad because of the party. Yeah. 
It even puts the party in here. Yeah. It didn't just say that for no reason. Yeah, it's not like he had a, a small gathering. No. A big old party. Didn't even think, where's my wife? Where's Abigail? Oh, no. You know what? You're right. No concerned. Oh, maybe my wife would like this yeah. this event as well. Oh, no. Uh-uh. Where's my lovely, lovely bride? Yeah. No. Nope. No, he had better things to do, and boy, did he pay for it with his life. That's what he gets. I shouldn't say that. God But here we are. Abigail. Abigail saved the day. She sure did. She really did. Because I, and and you know, David responded positively towards her. To Abigail. He could have just killed her. Yeah, he could have said, Well, let's take her for captive and mm-hmm. go back there. Mm-hmm. He's already partied up. Oh yeah. I can't take it. I it's the truth. Yeah. No. Um her second Oh, okay, we're not going to say that because we'll get to that. Okay. All right. But anyway, did you have uh, a note for that part or anything I else? I do. On 20 This is 25 through 22, right? 25. No. Yeah. Anything else for 25? Oh, anything at all? Yeah. Well, I have some stuff about Abigail sure. that's best woman Nabal could afford and he got even more than he bargained for when he arranged to marry her she was beautiful and more suited than he was to manage his wealth but Nabal took his wife for granted (laughs) in spite of his shortcomings Nabal's household did what they could to keep him out of trouble this loyalty must have been inspired by Abigail Although her culture and her husband placed a low value on her, she made the most of her skills and opportunities. Boombo. Yep. She was sensible and capable, a persuasive speaker able to see beyond herself. Not Nabal. Nope. All he saw was me, me, me. Yeah. Very selfish. He probably was from money. (laughs) And she came from probably nothing. You know, okay, then I have a note. Okay. Um, Because Nabal was drunk, Abigail waited until morning to tell him what she had done. Abigail knew that Nabal, in his drunkenness, may not have understood her or may have reacted foolishly. When discussing difficult matters with people, especially family members, timing is everything. Ask God for wisdom to know the best time for confrontation and for bringing up touchy subjects. Oh, could you imagine if if Abigail tried... She she just talked to a wall. Yeah, she might as well. Yeah. It would have been just as effective. Yeah. She had to wait till morning. She had to, and then, boy, he had a stroke. Well, (laughs) maybe if you didn't want to party it up the night before. It gets me irritated. I'll just let it be. Yeah? You know. Yeah? Um, anything else? Do you have any other notes for 25? Um, David was in no mood to listen when he set out for Nabal's pro- when he set out for Nabal's property. Nevertheless, he stopped to hear what Abigail had to say. If he had ignored her, he would have been guilty of taking vengeance into his own hands. No matter how right we think we are, we must always be careful to stop and listen to others. The extra time and effort can save us pain and trouble in the long run. Hmm. Yeah. 
And then, so at the very end of the chapter, we learn that David married Abigail. Yes. And also another woman. Yeah. He took on two. Yeah. Um, because, you know, back then it wasn't frowned upon. No. But that's what they did. Yeah. And now, Michelle or Michael or the previous yeah. wife, uh, she was given to another man. Right. So now he had these other two wives. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so moving on to 1 Samuel 26, Saul sent troops after David again. And David learned about the attack and snuck into his enemy's camp. They had the opportunity to kill Saul again, but didn't. Yeah. Um, did you have any notes for there? Abishai showed great courage when he volunteered to go into Saul's camp with David. In the heat of, of emotion, Abishai wanted to kill Saul, but David restrained him. Although Abishai was only trying to protect David, his leader, David could not hurt Saul because of his respect for Saul's authority and position as God's anointed king. Abishai might, may have disagreed with David, but he also respected the one in authority over him. Eventually, he became the greatest warrior in David's army. And then I have um, the strongest moral decisions are the ones we make before temptation strikes. David was determined to follow God, and this carried over into his decision not to murder God's anointed king. Saul, even when his men and the circumstances seemed to make it a feasible op option, who would you have been like in such a situation, David or David's men? To be like David and follow God, we must realize that we can't do wrong in order to execute justice. Even when our closest friends counsel us to do something that seems right, we must always put God's commands first. Just like we learned earlier, um, decisions just put them against the Bible, against God's word. Yes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So David shouted to Saul from a safe distance why he was after him again. And um, the response, if you wouldn't mind reading 1 Samuel chapter 26, verses 18 through 21. Sure. Let's see. But now let my lord the king listen to his servant. If the lord has stirred you up against me, then let him accept my offering. But if this is simply a human scheme, then may those involved be cursed by the lord. For they have driven me from my home so I can no longer live among the lord's people. And they have said, Go worship pagan gods. Must I die on foreign soil, far from the presence of the lord? Why has the king of Israel come out to search for a single flea? Why does he hunt me down like a partridge on the mountains? Then Saul confessed, I have sinned. Come back home, my son, and I will no longer try to harm you, for you valued my life today. I have been a fool and very wrong. So again, yeah. So D David and Saul then parted ways on good terms, but gosh. Yeah. Anything else for chapter 26? Um, Saul had opportunities to kill David, but he never did. Why? First, every time David and Saul were face to face, David did something generous for Saul. The king did not want to respond to David's kindness with cruelty in front of all his men. Second, David had a large following in Israel. 
By killing him, Saul would risk his hold on the kingdom. Third, God had appointed David to become king of Israel and was protecting him. Okay, so moving on to 1 Samuel chapter 27, verses 1 through 7. David and his wives moved to a Philistine area, so Saul would stop hunting him. Saul knew where David was, but didn't pursue him. David stayed there for over a year. Um, anything for there? Yes, Saul finally stopped pursuing David. His army was not strong enough to invade Philistine territory just to sink one man. seek one man. Besides, the immediate threat to Saul's throne was gone while David was out of the country. So he's just back and forth. Yeah. David knows he can't trust what Saul says. Exactly. He knows his heart. Yeah. It's obvious. Anything else for that part? Yeah. Gath, Gath was one of five principal cities in Philistia. And Ahish was one of five co-rulers. David may have wanted to move out of this important city to avoid potential skirmishes or attacks upon his family. He may have also wanted to escape the close scrutiny of the Philistine officials. Achish let David move to Ziklag, where he lived until Saul's death. Hmm. Those are some names. Those are. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verses 1 through 7. We learn about the skilled warriors who joined David. And what was interesting is all those men were Saul's relatives. Yes. Isn't that crazy? So they saw what was going on. They're like, no, we're going we're gonna to go with David. Yeah, we're going to get this right. Um, anything for, for there? Yes, David surrounded himself with great warriors, the best of the Israelite army. What qualities made them worthy to be David's warriors and servants? First, they had practiced long and hard to perfect their skills with bow, sling, and spear. Second, they were mentally tough and determined as fierce as lions. Third, they were physically in shape as swift as deer. Four, they were dedicated to serving God and David. Weak leaders are easily threatened by competent subordinates but strong leaders surround themselves with the best they are not intimidated by able followers you know that's you know one of the main things i love about the chronological bible is so this is from first chronicles yes so if we were just reading the bible as it is you would get to first chronicles and read that and you're like wait a minute okay. well at least i would i'm not I speaking too. for anyone i'd I'd be like, wait, wait, what happened back in back in First Samuel, you know, to try to put it back in context. I agree. So it's it's nice to have it all kind of put together. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. I agree. Anything else for for that part, Amy? Um, I have yes. Um, all the warriors mentioned here were from the tribe of Benjamin, even members of Saul's own tribe were deserting him to help David become king over all Israel. It was clear to them that God had chosen David to be Israel's next leader. And then archers and slingers had special weapons. The sling was unassuming in appearance but deadly in battle. A shallow leather patch, pouch with a cord of leather or goat's hair attached to each side. The sling was whirled around the head when one side was released 
it sent a stone to its target. The bow and arrow had been in use for thousands of years. Arrowheads were made of, of stone, wood, and bone because the Philistines still had a monopoly of metal working, a monopoly on metal working. Arrow shafts were made of reed or wood, and bowstrings were made of animal gut. Wow. I wonder if things lasted a long time back then. I bet. You know, like having the goat hair on there yeah. or just the way, because I, I would imagine just so much more care had to be put into everything and things needed to last because, you know, you're out in the desert or you're out in the elements and yeah. they just had to last. They did. I wonder if they ever said, let's try a goat lip. Like, let's cut up the goat lip, stretch it out. For what? Like, did they, how did they figure out the goat hair is what worked the best? Oh, the you trial and saying? error. I got you, I got like, you. Like, okay, let's try the lip. Yeah. Or I, like the, the leg, whatever. The tendon or. Yeah, because they used what? The goat intestine, the animal gut, were the bow strings on the air bow. Oh, there had to be trial and error. Yeah, whereas the other things used the goat, goat hair on the um, slinger. Yeah. So you can see that. Yeah. Like, that must have been real um, flexible. Yeah. Where the animal gut, you know, the bow is what goes down. Yeah. The wood. You know, just trial and error, you wonder. Yeah. Oh, well, let's try this. I mean, animal gut? There had to have been a lot of, like, nope. No, this nope. ain't going to work. Nope. <laughs> let's try the next thing. All right. How about chicken feathers? No, yeah. no. no. Uh-uh. Can we use the beak? Can we use the beak as an arrowhead? No, no. But they had to use everything that was available to them. Yeah. You know, my grandmother was from Russia. Mm-hmm. Volga Germans is what they were. And I have this book. When they killed a cow, like in the kitchen, like they'd bring in a whole bunch of meat and cut it up. And they would put all the blood into a bucket. Now, this is gross. No, but that's old school. Yeah. I mean, I'm Armenian, so I hear what you're saying. <laughs> I right. got you. So, at the end of the day, they took the blood with the intestine, whatever, and made blood sausages, and that's what they ate. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? A they still all... eat that, though. No. Yes, blood sausages are still made. Lord, help us. You know, I'm thinking... How many hands were in that blood slipping it off? No, they don't even think about they that don't, then. Huh? No. Even now back over there, like they don't worry they about don't. that. And then like the they kept all that meat outside in a iced thing. Mm. I mean, you just think about it. Yeah. So these chappers Oh yeah. Who thought, let's get all that blood, whip it in here and hook, cook it up. I might throw up. But that's how it is. Yeah. You only have so many resources, and it would be mental not to use every possible thing. Every single thing. Like, everything. You know, we live in such a disposable society now where it's like, eh, next, yeah. eh, next. Yeah. That isn't how it is. And in a lot of, like, I keep saying over there, but like old country, it's still like that. It's still the same. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's worse. No, you're not. I know. I know it. It just was, it's just, 
was interesting when I read all that and talked to her about it. It was like, oh yeah, it was so good. I can just, and you know what? They probably, it probably was good because probably all those women worked their rears off. Yeah. Cutting that up and this and that and. Because I think that's what they did all day, right? I like, think so. You just woke up and you you prepared stuff all day. Yeah. Imagine those farmers, women making that big breakfast and they have to get ready for lunch. Right. To feed all those farm hands. Yeah. I'd be like, I'm on, I'm going on vacation for a week. Uh, I they don't say, think... uh, bye bye. Yeah. You won't be going anywhere. Well, if you just don't come back. Don't come back. I'll find someone else. Yeah. Thank you. I can't imagine. I mean, come on. Like, you know, Middle Eastern culture, they're eating eyeballs, brains. They just, they they eat everything. Yeah, they do. I I don't know if I could. Me either. To be honest. I don't know. If there's an eyeball looking up at me, I'm like, uh -uh. oh, I I love you, my people, but oh. Uh, Yeah, I'm not going to eat that. I couldn't. Like, I dream about that in my body. No. I mean, maybe I would try brain. Yeah. When we were at the football game, I did I text you that? No. It was the they had the the um, the the food trucks there, and one of the food trucks uh, had goat brain. Now why, Robin? I was like, oh, whoa, goat brain. No. no. Now, it may have been delicious. Seriously, because yeah. I'm being closed-minded. It may have been delicious, but yeah. I'm like, do I trust goat brains from a taco truck at the football game? No. I, I don't know. Your husband would have eaten it. Eaten it. He may have. He may have. Now, I know Cherry Auction has a lot of oh, yeah. unusual things over there. That he chomps up. Yeah. I don't Noah know. Noah would have ate it, too. I just don't. I don't You're know. You're like... Why, people? There's other meats to eat. How have, how has this been handled on the food truck at the football game? <laughs> yeah. Where has are it we, been kept cold? Are we up to OSHA standards here? What's I'm going to say no. <laughs> What's going on? Because, like, would we be up to it if we had the truck? You know what I mean? Nothing yeah. against them, but it's just... Right. How can you... I mean, probably, who knows? What were their standards for getting the goat brain? Where did they acquire the goat brain? Yeah. I have so many questions as yeah. to what's going on. Yeah, who knows? Then again, there, the, the, then there's a part of me that's like, never mind, let's just try it. Yeah. Like, who cares? They're probably much cleaner than the whole football thing. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, the It'd probably be better to eat there than the kitchen at the football game. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. It is what it is. I don't know. Yeah. So here we go. I don't even know where we were. Did we finish up 27? Yes. Okay. So moving on to 1 Samuel 28, David and his men joined the Philistines in battling the Israelites. Saul had banned all mediums from Israel and became scared when he saw the size of the Philistine army. He prayed for guidance, but the Lord did not answer him. Saul decided to seek out a medium in order to consult with Samuel, who appeared to them, which I thought was crazy that Samuel appeared. Samuel let Saul know the Lord would be, quote, handing the army of Israel over to the Philistines tomorrow, and you and your sons will be here with me. 
the Lord will bring down the entire army of Israel in defeat. And that's from um, verse 19. And Saul was really scared after hearing this. Did you have notes for that first part? I did. Um, did Samuel really come back from the dead at the medium's call? The medium shrieked at the appearance of Samuel. She knew too well that the spirits she usually contacted were either contrived or satanic. Ugh. Somehow Samuel's appearance revealed to her that she was dealing with a far greater power. She did not call up Samuel by the power of Satan. God brought Samuel back to give, to give Saul a prediction regarding his fate, which Saul already knew. This in no way justifies efforts to contact the dead or communicate with spirits. God is against all such practices. I wonder if after that she stopped doing it. Yeah. You know, I always wonder these things. Yeah. But you wonder. Hmm. Yeah. Anything else for that part? Um, I have God did not answer Saul's appeals because Saul had not followed God's previous direction. Sometimes people wonder why their prayers are not answered. But if they don't fulfill the responsibilities God has already given them, they should not be surprised when he does not give further guidance. Hmm. Okay, so moving on to uh, 1 Samuel 29. David and his men marched into battle with King Achish and the Philistines, but the Philistine commanders didn't approve of the Israelite men marching with them. They were afraid the Israelites were going to turn against them in battle. And the king let David know he approved of him, but sent David and his men back. Yeah. That's all I had for there. Did you have anything else? Yes, I do. Um, the other Philistine commanders knew that David was the one who, as a young man, had killed their champion, Goliath. Had killed hundreds of Philistine soldiers and was the hero of Israelite victory songs. They were afraid of that. In the heat of the battle, David might turn against them. Although David was upset at this at first, God used the commander's suspicion to keep him from having to fight against Saul and his countrymen. You can kind of see where the Philistine commanders maybe wouldn't trust well, that. Yeah, yeah. You're saying Goliath. I mean, we've seen how big he was mm -hmm. to this little boy. Can you imagine? Yeah. Like, listen, he's got some something else working there you yeah. know yeah yeah so okay so now we go to first chronicles twelve nineteen, and that's relatively short it, we learned some of saul's soldiers defected and joined david yep anything for there no i don't have anything okay so we move to psalm 56 the author is david and the theme is trusting in god's care in the midst of fear when all seems dark, one truth still shines bright. When God is for us, those against us will never succeed. Mm -hmm. And then um, Psalm 56, 8, You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. Mm. You have recorded each one in your book. Gosh. I love that. I do too. I. That's precious. That's love. It is. Yep. Were there any verses that stood out to you that you want to talk about? That one is just my favorite. Um, I That one is just it, you know? Yeah. Um, I have a note for it. Yes. Even in our dar 
deepest sorrow, God cares. Jesus reminds us further of how much God understands us. Even the hairs on our head are all numbered. Often we waver between faith and fear. When you feel so discouraged that you are sure no one understands, remember that God knows every problem and sees every tear. Hmm. I mean, you just think about that. Yeah. They're not going unseen. People that cry in private or, you know, I just, that is just so lovely. It is. I mean, if anybody, you know, the different kinds of love, it, his love is called agape love. And if if someone just would look that up, they would know. Mm-hmm. You know? Gosh, I love that. I just love it. Yeah. I mean, just knowing you're not alone. All of the, the pain and the hurt and whatever it is you've gone through or are going through or will go through, he knows. He knows. He knows and... You know, this is such a little blip here. We will spend eternity with him. Mm -hmm. And we'll be in the new earth. And, you know, just hold on to that. Yeah. Have your thoughts in heaven. You know. Yeah. yeah. So I love that too. Oh. Yeah. Anything else for Psalm 56? Uh, No, that's all I had. Okay, so 1 Samuel 30. David and his men returned home from the Philistine march into battle to find their families had been taken by the Amalekites. And David's men, they were very upset, and he, David feared that they would take it out on him. And, but David turned to God for help. Praise God. Yes. Uh, any notes for there? Yes. David couldn't go to the tabernacle to ask the Lord for guidance because it was in Saul's territory. Therefore, he called for the ephod, the only tabernacle-related object he possessed. In the presence of the priest and the priestly garment, he asked God for direction. When David called for the ephod, he was really asking the priest to bring him the Urim and Thummim, which were kept in a pouch attached to the ephod. Only the high priest could carry and use the Urim and Thummim. I loved that. Yes. I loved it. And then I do have another note. Mm-hmm. Um, the Alamakites Amal- cruelly left this slave to die. Oh, are we to that point yet? Not yet. Okay, we'll wait. Okay. Yeah. Here's here's a quick s- short story All that's right. off topic, but it kind of is on topic. I was watching Raiders of the Lost Ark yeah. about a month ago, and at the end of the movie, when the one man opens the Ark of the Covenant, yeah. he was wearing an ephod. <gasps> and I'm like, it's an ephod! <laughs> you knew! <laughs> I knew. <laughs> I felt like such a big girl. Oh. I was like, ah, I know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> was anyone with you? No. It was just you. It was yeah. like one in the morning. I'm oh. like, oh! <laughs> You could have got the pups. <laughs> if you would have woke your husband up and said that. He would have cursed. Yeah. Why are you waking me up? Yeah. And yeah. then if I had to explain it, he would. <sighs> <laughs> Who am I oh, married to? I know. <laughs> I know, I know. How neat. Yeah. That's great. Great, great story. Now I may have to watch it. <laughs> Please. 
It's a great, it's a great movie. Which yeah, one? The first one. Okay, great. I'm going to watch it. Okay. Okay, so moving on with uh, with chapter 30, David and his men went to recover their families and goods from the band of raiders, and along the way they assisted a starving Egyptian man who the raiders tossed aside due to sickness. David fed him, and the man led them to the raiders' camp. And I think that's where the note is that you were yes. about to talk about. The Al- Amalekites... Cruelly left this slave to die, but God used him to lead David and his men to the Amalekite camp. David and his men treated the young man kindly, and he returned the kindness by leading them to the enemy. Treat those you meet with respect and dignity, no matter how insignificant they may seem. You never know how God will call, how God will use them in your life. So David and his men attacked the Amalekites and retrieved everything they took. Thank goodness. Oh, My yes. Gosh. Uh, anything else for that chapter? Uh, David made a law that those who guarded the equipment were to be treated equally with those who fought in battle. Today it takes several people to provide the support services needed for every soldier in battle. In the church and other organizations, we need to treat those who provide support services equally with those on the front lines. Without bookkeepers, secretaries, trainers, administrator, and administrators, those with a public ministry would be, wouldn't, would be unable to do their jobs. Are you on the front lines? Don't forget those who are backing you up. Are you in the support group? Realize that your position, although it may be less glamorous or exciting, is vital to the work of the entire group. And that's like what we have said previously. You know, yeah. it doesn't matter it, wherever you are in the in the scheme of it of your work. Yeah. It's all important. You, everyone plays an important role. That's right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, anything else? No, that's it. Okay, so First Chronicles chapter 12, verses 20 through 22. It briefly tells us that more and more men joined David's army. Anything for there? David had a great army like the army of God. Men were drawn to David by the reputation of his great warriors, the news of their victories, and their desire to see God's will done in making David king. People are often drawn to a great cause and the brave, determined people who support it. As believers, we have the greatest cause, the salvation of people. If we are brave, determined, and faithful, others will be drawn to work with us. Yes. That's it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so moving on to First Samuel 31. The Philistines fiercely attacked King Saul and the Israelites and Saul's sons were killed in battle and the Philistine soldiers were closing in on him. Saul asked his armor bearer to kill him, but he refused. So Saul fell on his own sword. The armor bearer then did the same and the Philistines would eventually cut off Saul's head and quote unquote fasten his body to the wall of Beth Shan. And the rest are notes. Do you have any, what notes do you have for that section? Um, Saul was tall, handsome, strong, rich, and powerful. But all of this was not enough to make him someone we should emulate. He was tall physically, but he was small in God's eyes. He was handsome, but his sin made him ugly. He was strong, but his lack of faith made him weak. He was rich, but he was spiritually bankrupt. He could have 
he could give orders to many, but he couldn't command their respect or allegiance. Saul looked good on the inside, but he was decaying on the looked good on the outside, but he was decaying on the inside. A right relationship with God and a strong character are much more valuable than look than a good looking exterior. I love that note. Yes. Very yeah. good. Um, and, oh, also, real quick, Saul, he was fearful because, one, the Philistines were, were um, closing in on him, but also he had remembered what they had done to Goliath. Okay. They had gouged his eyes out. Yeah. And so he just didn't want to be tortured. He no. didn't want any part of that. Not at all. No way. No. Um, yeah. What else? Yeah, what other notes did you have for there, um, if any? Saul faced death in the same way he faced life. He took matters into his own hands without thinking of God or asking for his guidance. If our lives aren't the way we would like them to be now, we can't assume that change will come more easier, easily later. When nearing death, we will respond to God the same way we have been responding all along. Coming face to face with death only shows us that we are real what we are really like. How do you want to face death? Start facing life that way right now. Yeah, because mm-hmm. we don't know we don't know when we're gonna go. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I do have another note. Oh sure, go ahead. It says um about Samuel. When God called Samuel, Samuel said, Speak, your servant is listening. But when God, through Samuel, called Saul, Saul replied, Why are you talking like this to me? Saul was dedicated to himself. Samuel was dedicated to God. Yes. I just like that, too. Yes. Just, yeah, very good. So now we have another parallel verse. And just to refresh everyone, um, the parallel verses... Usually the second one will come later on in the Bible and it is an account of the same event, but you know, it's going to be written by someone different. So it it may be written a little different or something, something will be added. Anyway, there we go. So we're going to first Chronicles 10 and it's not known for sure who wrote first Chronicles, but it's essentially the same account as um, what we just read verses one through 13. But it does add, and if Amy, you wouldn't mind reading, um, verses 13 and 14. So, So Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He failed to obey the Lord's command, and he even consulted a medium instead of asking the Lord for guidance. So the Lord killed him and turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. Yeah, that was good. I mean, yeah, it, it was essentially the same thing, but they added that part they added in, that. in Chronicles. Yeah. Okay. Any any parting <clears throat> notes? From yes. There? Saul's unfaithfulness was both active and passive. He not only did wrong, but he also failed to do right. He actively disobeyed by attempting murder, ignoring God's instructions, and seeking guidance from a medium. He passively disobeyed by neglecting to ask God for guidance as he ran the kingdom. Obedience, too, is both passive and active. It is not enough just to avoid what is wrong. We need to actively pursue what is right. He never went to God unless there was nowhere else to turn. 
When he finally asked, God refused to answer. Saul sought God only when it suited him, and God rejected him for his constant stubbornness and rebellion. I do have some more sure, notes. Sure, go ahead. Um, I, it says, but David trusted God's promise that he would be king in God's timing. It was not up to David to decide when Saul's reign would end. During the battle, God ended Saul's reign just as he had promised. God arranged a defeat in battle so that Saul would die and his kingdom would be taken from his family. If Saul had not taken his own life, the Philistine soldiers would have killed him. Mm. And he, like you said, he knew. He did. Yeah. He did. Yep, he did. Yeah. Anything else for that part? No. That's okay. All I got. Well, I think that's it. Oh, okay. I think that is it. It's so good. So let's give out some information. Uh, our email is basicbiblestudy19 at gmail.com, facebook.com slash mybasicbiblestudy, and the website is mybasicbiblestudy.com. So for next time, we're starting 2 Samuel. I can't believe we I finished 1 Samuel. It. Yeah, me either. Uh, let's read off what we're, what we're going to cover and, of course, it will be on the Facebook page if you need to refer back to it. So, we're going to be reading 2 Samuel 1 and 2, 2 Samuel 3, verses 1 through 5, 2 Samuel 23, verses 8 through 17, and then the parallel is 1 Chronicles 11, verses 10 through 19, 2 Samuel 23, verses 18 through 39, and then the parallel is 1 Chronicles 11, verses 20 through 47. 2 Samuel 3, verses 6 through 39. 2 Samuel 4. 2 Samuel 5, verses 1 through 5. And the parallel is 1 Chronicles 11, 1 through 3. 1 Chronicles 12, 23 through 40. And then 2 Samuel 5, Verses 6 through 16, and then the parallel is First Chronicles 11, verses 4 through 9. Wonderful. Anything else, Amy? No, I just hope everyone has a blessed week and weeks, and there we are. That's right. Yeah. How about you? Uh, no, no, okay. no. Just hope everyone has, has a blessed week. Hang in there. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> Amen. Trust in God. That's right. Yep. All right, so we will catch you next time, everyone. Thank you.